The Athletic. Granite Xhaka. Has any player divided the opinion of their own fan base quite like the Arsenal midfielder in recent years? He's the only member of the current squad signed by Arsene Wenger and his turnaround this season under Mikel Arteta is a huge talking point. But what has changed for Xhaka as a person and a player over the last few months that means he'll be one of the first names on the team sheet for this weekend's North London derby? I'm Ian Irving and this is the Athletic Football Podcast. Arsenal fans actually cheering as they take off uh, their captain, Granit Xhaka, who looks rather unimpressed by being hauled off. He's virtually cheered off for his own fans. Granit Xhaka, we've been talking about him during this transfer window. A deal, we are told, is close. Don't worry, guys, I take the blame, no problem. If I don't stop him, we are one and down. So thank you to Granit as well, once. People think I'm very aggressive because of my game. You see us for 90 minutes on the pitch. You see the different side of, of, a, of a person. Get that shot from Granit! Oh, what about that? Granit Xhaka! Massive goal! 3 1 to the Gunners! Yes, what a journey it's been and to navigate our way through it. I'm joined today by journalist and former Arsenal player Adrian Clark, and also from The Athletic, our data writer, Maram Albahana. Guys, thank you for coming on. Maram, I'll start with you because you've you've written a piece about Xhaka. It's on The Athletic now. People can go and check that out. But it's been a bright start for Arsenal and an even brighter turnaround as part of that for Xhaka. Yeah, it has been. Um, it's also been quite nice, actually, to see how his role has changed and how additions like um, Zinchenko has actually improved how he plays. So not only is he actually improving, he's improving as a result of the structure around him, the players around him. So it's a nice relationship to see how his performances affect others and vice versa. And it's been quite a ride for Arsenal, I would say. It certainly has, hasn't it? Yeah, since he arrived. And we'll get into that, definitely. I guess the, the one thing that jumps out, Adrian, straight away is the fact that he's contributing in an attacking sense, far more than before. Just the plain numbers, he's already at the goals he scored in the last few seasons. He's, he's surpassed the number of assists already as well. Just that alone, before we get into the detail, which we'll do, shows you how it's changed. Yeah, he's trebled the number of touches he has inside the opposition box this season compared to last. He's, I think, ranked second at the moment for, for chances created in open play. He is he is breaking into the final third so freely. It's unbelievable. This is a guy that that spent the initial part of his Arsenal career sat in front of the back four, often being a little bit reckless. It has to be said on the ball. I don't think there was ever a problem with him. But it's like he's been released from the, from the shackles this season by Arteta. And, and Maram is absolutely right about the structure behind. He's not needed anymore. At left back, because we used to see him at left back with Tierney flying forward and they'd use his, his forward passes from there. But they've got Zinchenko now to do that. They've got Gabriel who slides across and makes those forward passes. He can now channel his energy into hurting the opposition inside uh, you know, inside the half. So, um, yeah, it's been remarkable. He's been a bundle of energy and I've loved, absolutely loved, the rotation of movement that he's had with Gabriel Martinelli. And with Gabriel Jesus, I mean, 
he's switching play places with the striker at times. He's switching places with the left winger. And, and opponents have, have been quite befuddled by it, I've got to say. Yeah, it's been a key reason for Arsenal's success at the start of this season, certainly. And Maram, how's he done this then? Uh, we've sort of teased a few of the, the changes and a few of the, the reasons why, but can you explain exactly how Xhaka has changed and why his role has changed in the team as well? What does Arteta want from him? I think a part of me believes that this is not really an entirely new Xhaka. He's always been very good and technical on the ball, um, especially, for example, breaking lines with a crossfield ball or even like um, scoring goals from long range. I think we're seeing a different type of him simply because he's just higher up the pitch, which means he doesn't have to, he's not shackled by defensive responsibilities and having to screen the back line anymore. Additions like Zinchenko means that he can often go into the half spaces or take up positions in the final line and not be worried, for example, about who's actually progressing the ball. Because they have that connection and relationship especially those three, Martinelli, Xhaka and Zinchenko. Because of that relationship means that they're constantly able to rotate and take up different positions so he can go wide, he can go a bit deeper, he can uh, occupy the last line. So all of these qualities of Xhaka have always existed, I think. So he's always been very good on the ball. He's always been, I think we're just seeing it in a higher frequency because he's allowed to go higher up the pitch. So he's still takes touches in his own third. He still tracks back, but the onus on him is now just to really create runs and, and create havoc for the opposition back line, to be honest. Yeah, and the, the inversion then of Zinchenko, is that one of the, the key changes that's allowed Xhaka to be able to be more forward-thinking? Because obviously, Kieran Tierney was, was left-back man for a lot yeah. of last season. He'd be more inclined to, to overlap and get forward down that side, provide the width for Arsenal, whereas obviously Zinchenko's playing a, a totally different role. Has that been a, a key aspect to it? Yeah, exactly. So Zinchenko being like able to gravitate centrally, and, and he's basically plugging the gaps that Xhaka used to fill. And because of that, um, Xhaka's now able to move higher up the pitch and shift across it. Because previously, when Arsenal won this really rigid 4-2-3-1 and, and, and um, most of the creativity, creative responsibility fell on Tini, means he was really bombing forward. And that meant that Xhaka often had to occupy their spaces defensively. But now we're seeing a shift because Zinchenko can handle the central spaces. Um, Xhaka can push even higher into half spaces. So um, there's a shift in position, but... Really, it's the same player, but just better. Yeah, well, it's just playing to his strengths a little bit more, Adrian, isn't it? It's as simple as that. Mikel Arteta has seen what he can do and decided that this is a better use for him, surely. When you think of Granit Xhaka's weaknesses, what do you think of? You think... Temperament. Recklessness. Instantly. Yeah. You think of all of the red cards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you think of you red do. cards, but you also think of him being put in awkward positions in and around his own box, having to mark or track runners and making mistakes. And he's simply just not having to do as much of that now. He can enjoy himself a lot more by playing in those advanced positions that Marin was talking about. And I think he's, he's being freed from that responsibility has made him a happier player. It's made the fans more comfortable mm. watching Granit Xhaka as well. They've really taken to <laughs> more him. More comfortable. And, That's uh, an interesting way of putting it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and yeah, he's, he's basically... Uh, I think also that the one the one area of weakness when he was playing in a more defensive role is mobility. Okay, he's not the quickest. He can't cover empty spaces as quickly as real 
top level players in that position. You know, the world's best defensive type midfielders are very, very quick at making ball recoveries. He's a little bit slow. It, it matters less inside the inside the opposition half. Short a little burst. He's just got to occupy holes. He doesn't have to make 20, 30 yard runs to, to cover someone anymore and make a last ditch tackle. It's about finding space and, and seeing where the space is. And I don't think anybody, even Jacker's biggest critics, could deny that he's he's not an intelligent footballer. He is a good player with excellent technique and great experience. He's played so many times for Switzerland as well as for Arsenal. And he's played for some great managers at Arsenal, different managers as well. So he is he, he is a clued up footballer that's able to to just focus on doing positive things rather than worry about making a, a reckless mistake at the back. In many ways, he's been the constant, hasn't he, for Arsenal over the course of the last few years, certainly since Arsene Wenger left and, and the interim period. Uh, you've been around Arsenal for a long time, Adrian, of course. Do you remember what you first thought of Granit Xhaka back in 2016 when he joined? I was always impressed with his passing range, always. He could always ping a forward pass or a crossfield pass. Um, and yeah, he, he, but you always just felt that, that there was a mistake in him right from the word go and, and that maybe he was trying a bit too hard. Interesting point that because I, I reread his statement when he joined Arsenal and he mentioned the word aggression about four or five times. And I, I wonder whether that was always almost too much on his mind from the start, whether that was a sort of symbol of, of him trying to assert himself too much instantly. We saw it in the All or Nothing documentary to a point whereby he is someone that wants responsibility. He, he, he doesn't want to delegate. It's like, I want to help the team. I want to do whatever I can, however I can, to help the team win. And, and that shone through in that documentary. And I think at the outset of his Arsenal career, Arsenal didn't really have great quality, I would say, in the defensive midfield area. So I think he, he was compelled to try and become that, to try and cover maybe some of the fragilities of the rest of the team by trying to do a little bit of everything. And, and you know what it's like in life. If you try and do too much of everything, you, you don't always nail the things that you, the, you should be doing uh, properly. And I think that was probably the case. And, and, and that's why he divided opinion. Um, so, yeah, it, it, I've got to say, seeing his journey... And, and sort of, you know, initially it was fine. Then the fans went off of him. Then it came to a boiling point where, where obviously the, he fell out with the supporters. To see him come back from that shows an unbelievable strength of character. Because a lot of players that I know, a lot of a lot of people in general would have said, "Look, it's not for me. If you if you if you don't like me as I am, then then I'll just go somewhere else where I'm appreciated." And they would have left and pushed to leave. He didn't. He just knuckled down and said, you know what? I'm actually going to prove you lot wrong and I'm going to stick at this and I'm going to be better. And the only way you can show that you're better is by working your socks off and doing the basics and winning back that trust. And it's been a pleasure to watch this sort of upward trajectory, not just this season, but through parts of last as well. It's been, yeah, he's, he's clearly a very strong-minded individual. Yeah, Moran, like you've mentioned as well, some of the qualities that he's showing now um, were there from the start, from six years ago. You've written in your article about them as well. The engine power and the long pass to both come deep and dictate the game. Um, he can impact matches with 
with with direct runs that was there back then and and they are some of the key aspects that he's showing now so why do you think it's taken a manager so long to work that out looking at qualities of a player like that especially if you have a player that's really technical and progressive on the ball the tendency is sometimes to let them um occupy positions and build up why because you have you immediately have a player that can get you out of your own half um and initiate attacks and i think that was always the tendency with with jacka especially I don't think we've seen much of his off-the-ball runs and movement as we've seen now. Again, um, Adrian mentioned he's not really mobile, but he's able to destroy opposition defensive lines, so he's able to occupy the same line as as Jesus' times. These qualities have always been there. In fact, I think Arsene Wenger mentioned it himself. He, so He mentioned that he has the engine power to play in that position, but he actually never did. I think he's had a better structure around him, better players around him that's allowed him to flourish and, and go forward in a way that he hasn't had before. Um, Adrian touched on it as well. But if you have a structure that's not really competent and out of possession and in possession, you have players trying to compensate for everything. You kind of sort of see it with Maguire, um, Manchester United at centre back. You have a competent player, he's good on the ball, but he's making reckless decisions because the structure around him isn't as good as it should be, which means he's taking on more responsibilities. That makes him less of a player. And I think the same thing happened with Xhaka. So the fact that he's pushed further forward and and has a flexible structure, for example, with a lot of rotations and a good understanding between his players has allowed him to flourish. Why it's taking so long, I, I don't I don't know. <laughs> Look at the back four now at Arsenal. It's full of better players, but also better passers. Now before Jacker was always regarded as one of the better passers, he, 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 was, he was better than almost everybody at making those progressive forward passes that, that an Arsene Wenger, that you know, Unai Emery or a Mikel Arteta needed from him. But now, Zinchenko, a brilliant technician, whether he's in central midfield or left back, he can play those passes. Gabriel is the same. He, he's confident in that department. We're seeing William Saliba from, from right centre-back in, in Ligue 1 his progressive passes were right up there amongst the best in the league and Ben White it's one of his big traits is the ability to make those forward passes from back to front or long diagonals so he's not needed in those positions anymore so that's a big big factor and also as Marin points out the structure's better Thomas Partey is has a, an amazing presence in the heart of midfield and you've got Zinchenko kind of alongside him and then effectively a back three of White, Saliba and Gabriel. That's five good defensive players that that Arsenal know they can trust or they feel they can trust more than those that have played in recent seasons, which I guess is giving Xhaka and the others uh, a real licence to just kind of go out and have a bit of fun with it and rotate and and, and cause opponents big, big problems. So, yeah, it's, um, it's taken a while for Arteta to get here, but now he's got the players, I think, to, to play the way he wants. Yeah, and it, they're enjoying themselves, like you say. The confidence is flowing. Winning football matches always helps as well to establish all these relationships and, and make it a success. Interesting comparison that you made a moment ago, Maron, with, with Harry Maguire. Do you think Jacker is a, a positive example for him about how things can turn around? Because... He's in the eye of the storm at the moment, isn't he? Yeah, I think I've always said that with a better structure around him, he'd always improve. But I think his bad run of form has 
continued, if not escalated at this point. I've seen that with the, his England performance. So yeah, I think Jacker does provide an example, but as long as the facilities are there for him to improve, a, a structure, better additions, and honestly, he just sounds like he needs a break. Yeah, and, and it shows the, the importance of a manager's support as well, doesn't it, Adrian? That You know, Mikel Arteta has been right behind Granit Xhaka. Everything he said about him has been positive. Even convincing him to stay, uh, as we've heard, you know, shows his importance to him. Yeah, look, every manager that's been at Arsenal since since Xhaka signed has loved him. So he's clearly a a good person to have around the building and they've all trusted him. And it was really important because it would have been easy for Mikel Arteta to follow the fans. Wouldn't it? Well, Yuri Tielemans would be in the midfield now, and Granit Xhaka would be elsewhere. Yeah, like it's just human nature, isn't it? If you know that the people that effectively can decide your job, the punters, if 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 you back what they're thinking, it's a populist move. But he he went against it, didn't he? He said, "Look, ignore them, ignore them. I believe in you. I know." that you will come good and and trust me I'll, I'll just need that I'll build you that platform you need to showcase your skills as as Marin's been saying and and that's what's happened um I think with with Maguire and, and England and Manchester United there's more work to be done there and it's a slightly different situation Ten Hag has come in and maybe doesn't have that level of trust with Maguire right now and 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 I think that that is a problem uh, and the structure as well is is not there not with England either and I actually feel feel that at the moment Gareth Southgate's trust in Maguire is almost having an adverse effect in that he keeps playing him when he's low on confidence and because he's low on confidence he's making mistakes the team are, are not in good form and it's getting worse so I, I, I agree that, that for England he probably needs to be taken out and to sort of recharge those batteries yeah the, the problem with that is the next game for England's the World Cup <laughs> oh so it becomes a much bigger call Moram doesn't it yeah it does it's just a unique situation I think with Maguire because there's a lot of negative pressure and a lot of attention being made in terms of his performances so he, he he's a footballer that can never really just play without having the uh, like the opinions of others surrounding him and I think for some people not everybody has a strong enough character to be able to be resilient enough um, to withstand that and then still play. Um, I think he's also been through a lot. There's been a lot of shift in managers. He went from Oli to Ragnick to Ten Hag. And um, I think he's played a lot through injuries when he shouldn't have, which has also might have affected his performances. To be honest, I just, I like him as a player because of his passing on the ball. And I, and I, I'd be sad to see a player like that just continue on his fall of doom. I, I do hope he improves soon enough. Psychologically, he's getting a very different experience to Xhaka yeah. because, not being funny, Xhaka, Xhaka never felt the love. Even at the start, there was a little bit of, yeah, he's all right. <laughs> but no one no one loved him at Arsenal. They didn't. They just didn't. He, he, he was always one of those guys that was striving and trying to prove himself to the Gunners fans. And now they love him. They're singing songs about him. At Brentford in the last game, he was over there, you know, giving them, you know, big clap back. He is on cloud nine. For Maguire, he's had the love. The, the, the England fans in particular, he yeah. was the hero. Yeah. He was the most one of the most popular players. And now he's the one that's getting booed. And having to sort of deal with that mentally must be so must be so tough. Um, but but footballers are, are pretty resilient. To, to actually make it as a pro, you have to you have to be 
mentally strong and resilient in the first place because you get disappointments along the way. It's not all, it's never plain sailing, not not for anybody. So he'll be all right, but sometimes you have to, I guess, cut your losses and, 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 and think, well, maybe this isn't my home anymore and I have to go somewhere where they where they appreciate me. We'll have to, it's, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens with Maguire. Yeah, Maram, how much do you think modern managers look at the data and the numbers to make these sort of calls, whether to back Harry Maguire, whether to keep Granite Jacker, uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold's another sort of talking point in the England side at the moment or not in the England side, uh, as the case may be. How much do you think the managers rely on the data rather than the noise to make these sort of calls? Because Jurgen Klopp, clearly has a totally different take on Trent Alexander-Arnold to Gareth Southgate. I think data should play a, 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 a significant role, at least in terms of decision-making, because essentially that's what we try to do to allow, to empower managers um, and coaches to to make better decisions in terms of team selection or team recruitment. Um, so it can play a role, but it has it cannot be the sole decision maker and when you look at the data for harry Maguire, for example you're going to notice that for example oh look he's making one of the most progressive passes per 90 um overall through that entire season and that will prompt you for example to play him more often even when for example mental issues suggest that he shouldn't so there's a lot of things that need to be taken into consideration, I think. So data is only best when it's working side by side, tactical analysis and and player analysis. With a case like Harry Maguire, I would think he just hasn't really played enough. And when he does play, at least a season, when he does play, it hasn't been quite good, which means you have to depend on what's happening after every match, the post-match. You only have 90 minutes to go off from, which means that Maybe the best solution for him is to not play. Um, but then you take into consideration players like Alexander-Arnold. The situation is, the situation is quite different. So the thing with the thing with him is, that's always boggled a lot of minds, I think, is that he's a really good player at what he does. And what he does is he's a great crosser of the ball, great advancing forward, has a nice little shot in him. But he's not the best defender. <laughs> and the data shows that. So he's not the best defender. If you look at it with your eyes, he's not the best defender. But in a structure like Klopp's, most often it means that that doesn't matter as much when you have a midfield that's covering for him. In England, the structure is a bit different, which means that he can't, for example, bomb forward and not defend because it's going to cause bigger problems. And... Um, you can see that. So it's, it can't be like for like. So you can't just say Trent Alexander on that it's a very good passer, which means he can replicate that both at Liverpool and England. I think it needs to be taken with a bit more um, context. I think context is the most important thing. Yeah. And if you want to know more about the context of the decisions on Trent Alexander Arnold, Harry Maguire, and others for England, you can take a listen to Tuesday's podcast on this feed the athletic football podcast when I was speaking to Ollie Kay and Jack Pitt Brook reacting to England's draw against Germany and some of the decisions that Gareth Southgate's got to come ahead of the World Cup this winter. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. 
Right, let's go back to Granite Jacker then. Um, 2019, a draw against Crystal Palace. No one remembers the game, Adrian, do they? But they certainly remember the substitution. In terms of surviving that moment, uh, and if anyone doesn't remember it, um, it's Granite Jacker being roundly booed by the Emirates crowd as he's going off the pitch. I think they sort of felt he was maybe going off too slow and Arsenal were chasing the game. Uh, he was throwing the armband off. He was Arsenal captain at the time. It was reacting to those supporters. You know, in terms of, of moments and reactions from a, a home support and a home player, it's it's up there as one of the most notable in, in Premier League history, certainly in, in recent memories. Um, to come back from that, and that's almost the symbol of his of his struggles with the the Arsenal fans. I don't think you can underestimate that, can you? You can't. No, it was it was an ugly moment, wasn't it? And, and yeah, I don't think anyone came out of that covered in glory. I don't. You know, the fans maybe overreacted. It's not the way I think they would want to treat one of their own. Looking back at it, and and Granite let the moment get to him, didn't he? He's, he's only human, and and yeah, he showed his emotion, but. Yeah, to, to pick himself up off the floor, and he really was on the floor then. Everybody was just assuming, well, that's him done. He's never playing for Arsenal again. He, he can't come back from this. And I think I even probably said that, you know, on air at the time. But I also remember saying on air that there is always a way back in football if you knuckle down and work hard for the team and do your level best to, to, to prove yourself. Because fans, all they want to see is someone trying really hard to 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 bring success to the team. And what Granite did when he came back into the team was do that. He his quality shone through. His personality came alive, and he and he showed that he's a great leader. And he showed without even without the armband, he showed that, and and he took full responsibility for his actions. And and he learned from his mistakes. He, he he's been making far fewer individual errors. And now he's he's earned the trust of his manager to play this this new role. I, I don't think you can underestimate the strength of character that it's taken for Granit Xhaka to come back from a position where he was effectively being shunted out of the club to where he is now, which is arguably one of Arsenal's most important players. You've got Jesus up front. He's a key man. You've got Saliba at the back. He's been sensational. Erdegaard, the skipper, Saka, these are all star names. But Granit Xhaka is as important as all of those players to to the success that Arsenal are producing at the moment. He's integral and undroppable. And the documentary as well, the All or Nothing documentary, gave you a glimpse of what Xhaka is giving his teammates as well in terms of that, that personality and character, didn't it? It did, yeah. He came through really well, didn't he? I, I think in general... The All or Nothing documentary brought the fans closer to the players. They got to know them a bit better and they quite liked what they saw. So now there's a bit more wriggle room. It's it's normal, isn't it? If you feel like you know someone better, you're less inclined to give them stick. You give them a bit of a pass, won't you? And I think that's what's happened with the Arsenal players to some degree this season. And and what's shone through in the documentary is that he's a good good guy. He's a family guy who, who really wants to dedicate himself to improving, helping the team and being that team player, being someone that can bring teammates together and, and, and be a kind of a middleman and, and also a happy presence because you need, you can't all have studious sort of Arteta type characters, can you, in inside the dressing room? You can't have all loud people, you can't have all miserable people, you've got to have a nice blend. And I think 
and I don't know him really personally, but I think that Granite Xhaka is, is a good mesh. I think he's the sort that can get on with everybody in a dressing room environment, and, and you need people like that. Uh, and the fact that he's contributing so much on the pitch just means that, that his value to the manager has gone through the roof, really. And Maram, the logical next step to this story for Granite Xhaka is to play a key role in a victory for Arsenal in the North London derby this weekend, <laughs> I think, isn't it? I mean, for Spurs... Um, be interesting to see what their take on Jacker's role and how to stop it will be because Antonio Conte is not usually one to miss a detail like that and they've had a build-up to this as well, a couple of weeks to, to have a look at it. It's a curious case because um, what's made Arsenal so good um, over these last six or seven games is that they've been very unpredictable in terms of how they move in possession. So you can be aware that Jacker is going to try to create runs from the back line or try to uh, create space by dragging defenders away. You can be aware of it, but you can't always stop it. And I think that's what's made them really good because it's just the way that these players are moving is so um, fluent and flexible in possession in a way that they haven't been before, which means that Xhaka can even often drop deep as Zinchenko can often can occupy the last line. Xhaka can go out wide. Martinez can go a bit inverted and central. So the movements of these players means that even if defenders understand what they have to do, it doesn't always mean that they can actually defend against him quite well, which has been why he's so successful, um, I think so, over the past six games. Yeah, also, also going to have a bit of a numerical advantage here as well, Ian. Um, obviously with um, Bentancur and Hjordberg, quite a fixed two in there. And... And Arsenal is a three, isn't it? With Partey as the defensive pivot and, and Xhaka and Erdegaard quite wide. Yeah, yeah it's a either five side. almost, isn't it? With the fullbacks yeah. as well at times. Yeah, that last exactly. line can even turn into a five. You have five yeah, forwards to defend against. What will Spurs do? Will they bring a centre-back out to, to, to fill the gap? Will they ask a Son or a Kulisevsky to to tuck in or like it, it would go against the way that Conte likes to play he will congest it won't he he likes to get get men down the spine of the field but but I think that Arsenal have potential to outnumber them and play through it'd be really interesting when Xhaka and Erdegaard split quite into those wide central positions who's going to pick them up because if it is Spurs central midfielders then that's going to leave a hole down that middle for, for for Thomas Partey or one of the defenders to, to feed passes into into Gabriel Jesus. Is Partey fit, Adrian? I hope so. I, 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 the word is that he's training. Okay. Um, and yeah, I think it was a precautionary move coming back from international duty. He's crucial. I've got to say, if Thomas Partey isn't fit to start the game... <sighs> I don't want to say it, but it feels like that's almost like a goal start for Spurs. Like right. he makes that much of a difference, I think, in that in that deep line role because Arsenal don't have a player that can really cover him as much. So, so I really hope that that, that he features. If he doesn't, what we might see is something different because is Sambi Lakonga trusted to be the sole defensive midfield pivot? I don't think he is yet. So if if Partey fails the fitness test. We might actually, even though we've spent you know a long time talking about Xhaka and his new role, we might see, we might see Arteta say to Granite Xhaka, "You need to come in here and lend a hand to Sambi." So we'll, we'll watch this space. That was what happened at Old Trafford, and it didn't work. Um, you saw, you saw that Manchester United were able to 
feed passes forward much easier than anyone else has been able to do. So, um, yeah, Partey's uh, fitness is a big one ahead of kickoff. Do you agree, Maram? Yeah, the fact that um, Partey goes deep in possession and screen that by Klein allows Xhaka to do his own thing and Zinchenko to do their own thing. So if you don't have Partey, you, you do have a bit of an issue. And you can see that with the fans' reactions, to be honest, which prompts the question why Arsenal didn't um, get a midfielder when they needed to in the, in the summer transfer window. I think this question of what are they going to do um, if one of Partey or um, Xhaka is injured is an important one and I think it's going to show up throughout the season multiple times as his injuries happen especially with the World Cup coming Arteta has established quite a good flexible uh, structure in possession which means that even in situations like that against for example United they were able to play really well they can survive <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, it's just up to the match and, and see what happens, especially if, if teams are even able to exploit their spaces. So the spaces might be there, but uh, Spurs haven't also been on their best form, have they? Uh, despite what the results say. So um, I think it's a mixed, mixed bag, but I, I my hand my hand goes to Arsenal, I think. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting match no matter what. And I look forward to doing a podcast next week about Granit Xhaka's new role in defensive midfield and how it's going to bring the best out of him <laughs> and his aggressive <laughs> tendencies <laughs> over the rest of the season. But for the minute, Maram and Adrian, thank you so much for being with us and, and doing this. I'd recommend any Arsenal fan or any football fan to go and have a look at Maram's article on The Athletic at the moment, breaking down the difference in Granit Xhaka's game. There's some great Arsenal and Tottenham coverage, of course, ahead of the North London derby on there as well, including Art de Roche's look at how Arsenal have controlled matches this season. If you're not a subscriber to The Athletic, you can do so now for just £1 a month for the first six months. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash football pod but for the minute thank you for listening and we'll see you on the next one bye bye the athletic